Welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Leadership Mindset. I'm your host, Yolanda Gonzalez. Before we jump in, I just want to thank everyone for the support, the ratings, the comments that you've left. It means so much to me that you took the time to do that and that you found the content to be helpful no matter where you are in your career. My goal is to keep serving you in the best way that I can, so please hit the subscribe button and continue to leave any comments or feedback. On today's episode, I have the pleasure of hosting Christina Bethune-Regan, Nurse Director of the Cardiac Medical Step-Down Unit at Mass General Hospital. Christina, who I know as Chris, was actually the first preceptor I was assigned to when I began the fellowship at Mass General. I spent six months immersed with her team, working alongside the nursing and clinical staff and learning the ins and outs about inpatient and clinical care operations. There's so many lessons I've learned from her, many of which you will hear about on today's episode. We'll discuss the unit's experience transitioning to the first cardiology COVID unit during the March 2020 surge, the importance of vulnerability and transparency with your teams, why self-awareness is important to your success, and so much more. Her passion for healthcare and mentoring others is clear to see the moment that you meet her. And I'm so excited to have you listen in on our conversation and learn from her experience. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. Chris, it's so good to see you. Thank you so much for joining me on the Healthcare Leadership Mindset. Oh, Yolanda, I'm honored to be here, and I'm so excited that you asked me to be on your podcast. So, Of course, it's a pleasure. I know we're going to learn a lot from you today. One of the things that I wanted to just start off with is, can you share some background with the listeners about your journey and how you landed in the role that you're in now? Sure, absolutely. I love telling the story, actually. I do a lot of it also when I'm interviewing, because um, I always like to hear from upcoming nurses how they got into nursing. And so we always have a story. And so my story started when I was young and your parents tell you you can't sit around for the summer, you've got to do something. And I said, okay, well, I'll do something. And back in the early 80s when I started, uh, there was something called a candy striper. And a candy striper is like the volunteers that we see now, but we actually had to wear red and white candy cane-like jumpers wow. as a candy striper. So we really stuck out at the hospital. And so I volunteered to be a candy striper at our local community hospital. And I realized right then and there I wanted to do more than just pass out newspapers and scrabble puzzles and things like that with the patients. And so also having a sister that was a nurse as well and a brother who was a healthcare administrator kind of led me in that direction for nursing. So that is why I got into a nursing program when I graduated from high school. How did that, how did you grow into the career that you're in now? You're currently a nurse director of a cardiac step-down unit. What led you into that role? So I didn't ever think that the administrative path was really my career path. I loved being a bedside nurse, and I still love being a bedside nurse. And I remember back in the early 2000s when I was up here in Massachusetts, I was at the bedside, and I got a phone call. 
and I got a phone call from the medical director at the Massachusetts General Hospital. Mm -hmm. And they said they wanted to speak to me about an interview and a possible job. And I really thought it was the wrong person they were calling for because I wasn't looking for a job and I didn't want to leave the bedside. So I took the phone call and I spoke to this physician and I basically listened and said, well, thank you so much for that. I, I really love what I'm doing. This wasn't the opportunity or career path I was going to go, but mm -hmm. I appreciate you thinking me as a candidate and hung up and then said to myself, oh my gosh, that was not the right thing to say. And called back probably within 10 minutes and apologized and said, I'm so sorry, you caught me off guard. I, I was actually at a pet's bedside with the patient and yes, I'd be honored to interview for a director position at the Mass General. And the next thing you know it, I interviewed and went through the process and got the position and started here in 2003. 18 years ago. That's amazing. It's yeah. uh, maybe a reminder to all of us to just be open for the opportunities that come up. And sometimes it sounds like they come up when you least expect them to. Least expected it. Yeah. But I'm so thrilled that I, I called back. <laughs> I'm glad you took my call. Now that you've been in your role for 18 years, what does that day-to-day -day look like for you? Yeah. So I wish I could say that it's the same day to day, but it it actually even starts when I wake up in the morning because I look at my phone right away. And when that night shift is texting you or emailing you about issues, you know before you even walk in kind of what's going to be on the plate. What issue happened overnight? Was there a clinical issue? Was there a staffing issue? So my day really starts by just looking at my phone and see what's coming in. and. Then when I enter uh, in the morning around 6.30, it's just going right to the unit, mm -hmm. touching base, finding out what's going on with the staff, and finding out what's going on with the patients. And from there, my day-to-day -day changes based on what's going on in the unit. I obviously have some meetings that I have to go to for an operational issue, but my primary focus is the day-to-day -day operations here, making sure that my patients are safe and that my staff are supported. So every day there could be a small little fire that will take me away from what I thought my day would look like. And that's okay, because we, like you said in the beginning, you have to be open to whatever comes your way and um, just do it with a smile. <laughs> that's so true. It sounds like your past experiences prepared you perfectly for this role. A little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about what the past year has looked like, not just for you, but your team as well? Yeah, I get, I get a little emotional when I talk about it, and I think we all do, because I hate using the word, but it's been unprecedented, and no one had prepared for that. Now, I am a senior leader. I've been a nurse for 30 years. I have gone through a, a pandemic, an mm -hmm. epidemic. I went through AIDS in the 1980s when I was a nurse. But nothing prepared me for what we went through. Um, and I can remember the day and the place and the moment when I got my phone call with my first potential exposure on the unit. It was a Sunday afternoon and I was with my family and I got paged by one of the resource nurses and said there was an exposure on the unit. The person was not flagged as potential COVID. No one had any of their PPE on and you need to come in. And I said, absolutely, I'm, I'm on my way. Mm -hmm. And it was very emotional when I got here because people were just scared and frightened. And it was, I think, probably more than 18 or 20 people who were exposed because it was a rapid response to a patient. 
and it included supervisors, it included residents, it included physicians, it included nurses. And it was the beginning of a policy change where everybody who then ran to an emergency had to have their N95 and PPE on. Um, and that was just the beginning for us. And then uh, in the first week of April, we were designated as the cardiology COVID floor. And we had a, a kind of meeting Friday afternoon about, you know, the steps to take when you become an official COVID unit. And they were going to let us know in advance when that was going to happen. And that afternoon we get page that we're moving to COVID the next morning at 7 a.m. So we had no time to process, and I'm a big processor. Mm -hmm. um, and the next day was pulled out my scrubs and came into the unit and got our first 18 positive COVID patients wow. on one day and one shift. Wow. So it was a lot to handle, a lot to process. Um, you know, being a leader and being there, I think the important message that I had for my staff is I'm here with you. I'm in scrubs. I'm in these rooms. I will help you through this. And so that was kind of our initiation to being the first cardiology COVID unit here at Mass General just hearing about the experience you shared and and you know just thinking about the worries and anxieties of having to transition into a different floor than what you're used to is a lot to take in so I first of all just want to thank you and your team for that wow. by having your leadership and you being involved I'm sure mitigated some of that stress that they were feeling were there other strategies or tactics that you use to help ease your staff? I think one of the things was just being present and being there and being transparent and saying I don't know and saying I'm frightened too and I'm scared too but I'm here with you and here are the resources that are going to help us get together and every day talk through what the new policy is or what the new planners or what new team or resources available and like I said, you know, I had to go find my scrubs mm -hmm. and I actually had to go buy more scrubs too because I was in scrubs for the next six months, seven days a week. I was here every single day to support my staff and I think they were very happy to see both myself and my CNS here every day on the weekends to help them through this process. And just acknowledging their emotions and acknowledging their fears and trying to answer questions for them I think is really all we could do mm -hmm. and try to stay on top of everything that was changing because things were changing so quickly and so rapidly. To me it, it sounds like you gave a lot of great advice that not only can be applied during the pandemic but can be applied during other times of uncertainty where leaders may find themselves not having the answers or not knowing what change is going to happen next but being present for your staff and, and sharing and being vulnerable sounds like it was so important in helping you and your staff move through this pandemic. Mm -hmm. I think just being honest too, I think there was times where people were fatigued and stressed and tired and I acknowledged that was okay and I acknowledged my stress and my fatigue and how exhausted I was. But I feel like I didn't hide any of my emotions. I mean, there were days where I would have my huddle in the morning and I would get tearful also mm -hmm. and be sad of the patient who just passed away without their family members or say absolutely we are grieving for one of my peers or my colleagues who got COVID and so I think it was just being being transparent and being there and being 
accepting of everything that was out of your control, which is hard. That's so important that you added that in. For myself, I know sometimes I feel like I have to keep a straight face and, and try to be, you know, calm at all times. But I do think that there is a sense of humanness and, um, you know, more connection when you mm -hmm. do share those emotions with your staff and let them know that you're sharing with them in the feelings and emotions that they're having. I think that's a silver lining that I always try to find um, is that I think all units, every unit, especially those that were COVID and non, got uh, more connected with each other and more of a family and the teamwork that everybody you know, together pulled through this has just really made our our unit, which was strong to begin with, but even stronger. Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned that there were changes happening on a daily basis. You were reviewing with the team some of the changes that had just come out. I'm curious to hear, are there any new workflow changes that occurred during the pandemic that are here to stay for the long term? But one of the things that has definitely across the board from the MGH uh, system is the improvement of the collaboration between different support roles, especially nursing and physicians. It was a bit of a challenge in the beginning, uh, which we recognized on our unit, but I think other units also felt that. Um, but what I feel that's come out of that are some many lessons learned and that we have this wonderful dyad now, a really open relationship that I have with physician colleagues, um, honest you know, feedback I can give to the dietary people who didn't go in initially or the people that were remote from social work who really should have been, I mean, we needed that service mm -hmm. with all of the things that we went through with COVID and families, you know, to have them remote was really a challenge. So I think we learned the importance of everybody's role, pandemic or no pandemic, that we really need everyone to care for our patients. It sounds like there's so many experiences and lessons that you learned this past, you know, year and a half. And um, is there anything else that you will take with you from this experience and carry on throughout your career? Being authentic and transparent and letting people know what I'm going through as well as hearing and listening of what they're going through and, and, and validating their concerns. I, you know, everybody had a reason why they were nervous, whether it was their their chance to get pregnant or their new baby at home or their grandmother who had underlying conditions or whatever it was, everybody went through something and everyone was scared and everyone was nervous and everyone was unsure of what COVID was and the long-term and short-term complications. And just being able to, to listen and understand and validate their concerns, but at the same time still trying to manage a, a unit that was COVID and cardiac and sick people, but we managed to do it and we got through it because it's really just my staff who are the heroes and the rock stars. But it's a calling. I think people know early on, whether it's a story, whether it's an experience, whether it's someone to say, I'm going to help others. And I, I see that in every single one of my staff, and I am absolutely so proud of what they've gone through over the last year. I'm, I'm humbled. I really am. But, you know, to just say the clinicians are extraordinary. They're compassionate. They've got empathy. They are passionate about what they do. And it's an experience that you cannot 
not do. I mean, you have mm-hmm. to, your rotation has to be six months, if not a year, uh, at the bedside and watching clinicians do the extraordinary work they do. Your team, including yourself, have so much grit and so much strength, you know, to, to be able to see the patients that you do care for, the patients that, you know, you see on the floor. It takes a lot. It sounds like you have a very successful team that's really here to serve and care for the patient. So how do you build that team to begin with? Yeah, it's hard now because of Zoom. Like, I really love having that in-person kind of intimate conversation with someone so that I can really see their body language, see their faces light up when they tell me about a code mm-hmm. or a story. Um, I'm not saying I don't see it as much on Zoom, but I really loved having someone in my office and hearing those things. So that's what I really look for. I love to hear um, the compassion and the, you know, the, this, you know, I guess I love hearing the adrenaline in their, in their voice when something urgent happens because this floor is very fast paced. Um, I love to hear that people are excited to grow and learn. I love that people, you know, say, you tell me about an experience where they learned a lesson because then that makes them make a change. You've already mentioned a couple things that have impacted your career. I love hearing those things. And I just, I guess I kind of feel like I just know when someone walks in and I'd be like, oh, this person is going to go well, so great with my group because I know their personalities. I know them very intimately, all 75 of my nurses, and I know when someone's going to get along with them. So I'm thinking, wow, 75 nurses and, yeah. and remembering names, remembering details. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into that. Yeah. <laughs> um, And transitioning a little bit to maybe more what's happening today, are there any big projects that you're currently involved in? So one of the things, of course, we're getting ready for our Joint Commission visit. So you can't, that's always in the back of your mind. We expect them any day now, potentially even Monday. So we're always getting ready for our Joint Commission journey. Um, And we've got a really fabulous process improvement project that was brought up by the bedside nurse. Um, which we 100% support because we really want as leadership and here at, at MGH just to provide the resources for staff to do their job easier and to do it better in a way that works for them. And so one of the nurses came to me and said, I really feel like our handoff process could be improved. And I said, well, tell me more. What exactly are you looking for? Well, I really feel from a safety and, you know, patient safety um, initiative, and I'm like, ding, 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 everything patient safety initiative is fine with me. And so we now have the process improvement team meeting with a group of nurses to improve our handoff between the night shift and the day shift, or day shift and night shift, to do actual at the bedside handoff specifically for patients that we're concerned about whether that's someone who may be at risk for falls Mm -hmm. someone who may be hemodynamically unstable or perhaps someone on a high risk medication that we need to do uh, pump to pump review so we're really excited to get that process off the ground and we've already had our first session our process improvement session um, and excited to look forward to our second one next week so we're really excited about that wow It stands out to me that this nurse can come to you comfortable with relaying an improvement that she could see uh, Mm -hmm. happening on the floor and then bringing that to your attention and you providing the resources to help make that happen. I think that that's such a great example of, you know, it really is our staff that 
can spot these opportunities and it, you know, going to you as their leader and you helping provide them with the resources they need to improve that process. Yeah, it's best when it comes from staff, really is. It, it is, and um, it leads me to another question that I had, which is more towards um, maybe mentor mentorship. So for listeners who are trying to find a mentor or thinking of how they can get an idea in front of their boss or their leader, what are some tips that you have for them? I mean, it sounds like this nurse was an example, but I don't know if there's other examples that you can share. Well, I mean, as a leader, I'm automatically a coach and a mentor for all of my staff, and I'm so happy to successfully state that I've been mentoring and coaching one of my senior staff members um, who's been working with me for the last eight years who just got promoted to be a nurse director. Mm And I think that, you know, it was like a mother's pride. I was, I was so excited when she got it. And I think that, you know, I think people just need to let you know that you, they have interest in moving through the leadership ranks and, and be able to have a comfort level with each other and talk through things. But also be honest with that person and give them feedback that would maybe be difficult to hear if um, that for them is just one of those opportunities for them to just digest it and say, yep, that's something that that I could work on. Maybe I'm a little shy when it comes to a meeting and I don't say my message or I don't give my point or maybe I back down and get defensive when someone and just be able to provide that coaching and mentoring I think is so important. And I think I'm so proud of this nurse for her promotion um, and I, I do feel like I'm part of it and, and was able to get her to where she is and I continue to provide mentoring and coaching to her on a daily basis and I think she's doing a wonderful job. So I think my message is really for people to just feel comfortable to know that we've all been in that that space before and just to, to be honest to say you know the next couple years I really see myself maybe going to graduate school and I don't know what direction to go into and just start to have those conversations because we've all been through it and we all have gone certain paths and we all have resources to to provide to each other to have them be successful and that's one of the proudest moments to know that one of your staff nurses has moved through that process and have been successful at it so and I look at you in your role and I'm so proud of you and I'm so I'm hopeful that I was part of your journey and, and hopefully part of your you know feeling confident and successful as an administrative fellow because I knew you had something special in you well I do I I was just about to say there are so many things in your response that stood out to me and one of those was providing honest feedback to who you're mentoring and it's sometimes you know as a but being a mentee and on the mentor side at times, it is hard to find people who you can get honest feedback from because to your point, it's not always easy. But I can definitely say, reflecting back on the experience that I had on this floor and throughout the fellowship experience, I give credit to all my mentors, especially you, know, you who helped make an impact in where I am now. Um, it definitely takes a village, <laughs> that's for sure. How do you get comfortable giving honest feedback? You never get comfortable. Okay. <laughs> you never do. Um, it's, it's hard, but I think as time goes on, you've got to realize that you're giving that feedback for a reason and only to make improvements. And you need to find the right time, the right place, the right moment 
follow through on the feedback. If the person is, you know, you could already see from their body language getting upset or being defensive, you maybe stop mm -hmm. and say, you know what, let's talk again. This may not be the right time. Or follow through, L let me make sure you're hearing what I'm saying. This is the great thing that you're doing, but here's something I see differently. And try to maybe change it a little bit in the way that you're presenting it. Or you may just have to walk away and say, you know what, it doesn't seem like a great time. Let's do some follow-up on this. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the conversations go well, and sometimes they don't. And I've had all of those conversations. And sometimes I might have to end the conversation by saying, you know what, I just don't think we're going to see eye to eye on this one. Mm -hmm. And my intentions were to give you some feedback so I could help you move forward, but I'm, I don't feel like you're ready for it right now which is okay. Mm -hmm. Let's maybe talk about it again. Yeah. So yeah. some conversations go well, some conversations don't. That's so helpful for me, just as, you know, I, I with them early on and, and have had a share of different experiences when it comes to, to giving feedback, but it's important for me to keep in mind that you could have a conversation and it may not always end up going the way you intend for it to go. And it's okay to pause mm -hmm. and reconnect at another time and if there's one thing we all know is that the work is always there mm -hmm. and I do find it hard to say okay I'm gonna disconnect from my computer yeah. when I get home or I'm not gonna check yeah. email but yeah. I find myself sending an email at 8 or 10 p.m. and yeah. I'm like I need to maybe pull that back because we have to have a work-life balance as an administrator as a director we could be here 24-7 but 24-7 does not make a happy Londo or a happy Chris. So mm -hmm. you really have to then say to yourself, this is all I can get done for today, and I'm going to prioritize tomorrow what I can and cannot get done. What point in your career did you hit that? I think that um, it became very apparent to me during COVID because I had to step away from work because I could feel myself not being able to process my emotions if I couldn't turn them off. And I feel like that was, again, a silver lining, because mm -hmm. I keep trying to think of all the silver linings with COVID, but it was an opportunity for me to remind myself that in order for me to be a successful leader, I needed to be self-aware of my emotions and what I was going through because you cannot be successful if you don't are honest with yourself about how you're feeling. And my cup was pretty empty mm -hmm. after 2020. And I realized that I wasn't being effective because I didn't have what I needed from an emotional standpoint to be a good leader. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that I continue into 2021 to say to myself, wow, Chris, you're emotionally done today. It may be two o'clock and I don't have anything left to give. And so why have a conversation, a critical conversation or a difficult conversation when you don't have it in you to be successful at it, that and be able to, to say that and be like, nope, today I'm done. I have to cancel that three o'clock because my cup is empty. And I think that's a really important message for future leaders is to be self-aware of how you're feeling and emotionally what you're going through because you will not be effective if you don't have what you need. It sounds like a lot of that was that internal recognition that you weren't at that level of effectiveness that you wanted to be. Mm -hmm. Was there any external signs that also helped 
that helped you understand that you weren't at that level either? Sure. I, that's, that's easy. I became, <laughs> you know, a little short and a little snappy yeah. and a little cranky. Um, I think we all put our COVID-15 on. I didn't love that either. I wasn't able to get to the gym. I wasn't able to see my family. Um, so I definitely would wake up feeling kind of sad and not sure I wanted to come to work and what would I have to go through again? How can I go through another day? So those were really both physical, emotional feelings that I was, I was feeling and definitely, um, you know, talking through those feelings with other directors, talking it through friends and family was really important mm -hmm. in order for me to recognize, you know, this is okay. I went through, a, we all went through a terrible 2020 and it's okay to say, yeah, that was awful and I'm not feeling myself um, and be able to recognize that. And so I, I had a conversation with my boss to mm -hmm. say, I'm not, I'm not loving my job right now mm -hmm. and it's worrying me and what resources do I have and what potentially are my options? You know, what, what can I do to, to feel a little bit better? Mm. So yeah, I'm glad I was able to say something. So I'm excited now because I'm in a leadership class. Um, so I'm really excited on this new journey as a seasoned leader to kind of relearn a little bit more about my values and about my emotional and social intelligence and kind of remembering why I went into healthcare and why I became a leader. And I think it came at a perfect time. And it's because I asked and I recognized that I wasn't feeling myself. It, it sounds like it's quality over quantity, first mm -hmm. of all. Yeah. The work will always be there, but if you're not bringing your best foot forward, that work isn't going to be done at the quality or standard that you're wanting to see that work at. So it's okay to take a step back and recharge your battery before coming Absolutely. back and tackling it. Absolutely. And I love the part where you're able to go to your boss, mm -hmm. tell them what you were going through, what you needed, and to come forward with the spirit of, I'm going to, I'm going to improve this, or I'm going to look at what resources are available, and it sounds like there's this love of learning that you have mm -hmm. within you, and that you're getting to apply still in the career that you've been in for 18 years, which yeah. is amazing. Yeah, it's been wonderful. I've, I've had a wonderful, uh, we've already had our first session, um, and it's about, Oh gosh, 35 or 40 of us from different parts of the MGH as well as outside the MGH. So just so fun to hear stories. But also I think the thing that's been terrific is to know that a lot of leaders are in the same position I am in right now. So I don't feel unique or special or, oh, woe is me. You know, this is what Chris went through. And everybody's feeling it and it's okay. And we're all in it together, and we're all going to figure out how we can be better and more effective leaders moving mm -hmm. forward. So I'm thrilled. I can't wait. Oh, I love it. I love it. Like I said, I could talk to you forever, <laughs> but I do want to be mindful of your time. If you could share only one lesson with the upcoming generation of healthcare leaders, what would that be? I think I briefly touched base on that. You know, in order to be successful I feel is to be self-aware and knowing um, you know knowing and understanding and accepting your feelings and knowing what is working and not working and being honest with yourself that you know I may need something to fill my cup up in order to to be able I mean we're giving all the time so there's no time for you to be 
um, you know, anxious about something or sad about something, or you've got to be able to figure that out in order to be able to give back to not only your patients, but your staff, to your other colleagues. Um, and I think that's really important. I, I do feel like people need to figure out their values and understand their emotional intelligence and understand what, what makes them kind of tick to be effective. Does that make sense? Yes. No, it, def <laughs> it definitely does. So I just want to thank you for everything that you're doing here at Mass General. And I just want to thank you for taking the time to talk with me and the listeners and share more about your journey. Well, I'm thrilled. I'll confess. <laughs> this is my first podcast. <laughs> so I am so thrilled that you asked me and also humbled and honored that you thought of me as, as someone to have on your program. So thank you for asking me. Of Thank you so much for being here and for listening to this episode. If this is your first time here, welcome. Please click on the subscribe button wherever you're listening. And if you enjoyed the episode, please be sure to leave a rating or review of the part you enjoyed the most. I look forward to meeting you all back here soon.